This is Unaided, the brand building podcast brought to you by Leakside, a team snap company. Get ready to learn about brand marketing strategy from the experts. Here's your host, Evan Brandoff. Thank you for tuning into the Wingren podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brandoff. Today, we welcome Nicole Stevens onto the show. Nicole is the Director of Marketing and Business Development for Roper St. Francis Healthcare. She is not only an incredible healthcare marketer, but also a tremendous leader. Let's get into it. Nicole, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Evan. I'm looking forward to talking with you. We are so excited to have you. I want to start off by, in my notes, I see that you almost didn't go into healthcare marketing. What's the story behind this? Sure. So I was in my junior year of college. I was studying abroad in London and having the time of my life. And I had aligned an internship for myself in DC when I got home that summer. And my mom, who was a nurse at the local hospital and had been for 20 years, did not like the idea of me being away again for the summer. And was like, you know what? I've actually lined up an internship for you at the local hospital. You know, they need help writing their newsletter and doing some things at the radio station and some other partnerships. I think you should do that. And if you do, dad and I are going to get you a car so that you can get back and forth. I'm like, well, a car, that sounds great. What I did not know is that it was like a Ford Tempo and it was like all of $500, whatever got me where I needed to go. But (laughs) I did not go into politics. I um, ended up, that was my first taste of healthcare. And it wasn't even marketing then. It was more like I worked in HR and got to do like fun outings and community events. Um, I did get to write the newsletter that I thought was super cool because when I was little, we used to go with my mom to pick up her paycheck. That's how long ago this was. And we go to the bank and get a lollipop. And then with the paycheck though, there was this little newsletter and it would share stories of you know the folks that work there. So I always thought it was really sweet. <laughs> and yeah, so I, it was a bribe. I tell everybody I got into healthcare as a bribe. I knew that the blood thing could never work for me, but the whole people and service really has spoken to me and been in the field ever since. So if you knew what the car was going into it, do you think you would have accepted that internship offer? I don't know that I would have. I, I don't know, but <laughs> I feel like things happen for a reason always. And so there was a reason, I guess, that, that I got that experience. I then moved to Atlanta and my first job was ended up being in healthcare marketing. So you know what? It all it all worked out. <laughs> Amazing. What drew you to politics originally? I just thought it seemed, I think what it was, it was more that it just seemed like that's where everything happened. It's where all the action was. You can make real change. It just seemed interesting. But anyway, a different way of, I guess, politicking for, for patients and for families and for the best care. Yeah. And, and the impact that you've made over, over your career in healthcare, I would make a strong argument that you've positively impacted just as many, if not more people and their health outcomes. I hope so. I'd like to think that. Thank you. <laughs> so you mentioned college. You went to school in New York, right? I did. SUNY Cortland in upstate New York. Yes. I wasn't sure what I wanted to be when I grew up. And then I took one marketing class. And I was like, this is awesome. Like I could do this. And so I was hooked after my I think second semester of freshman year. That's amazing. What part of New York are you from? I'm from way upstate New York, north of Syracuse. The little town is called Lowville. And it's in like sort of the Adirondack Parkway. There's a place called Tug Hill that gets like the most snow ever. It's a big snowmobile area and skiing and all that. It's beautiful, but it's cold and dark for a long time. So I knew that wasn't for me. I graduated from college in May and it snowed. It was Mother's Day weekend and it literally snowed the morning of our graduation. And it was like, I don't think I can do this. And I'm going to date how old I am. But it was the year the Olympics were in Atlanta. And I have an right. aunt that lived there. And I was like, I'm going to move to Atlanta. Like, I'll do something with the Olympics, like an internship or something. This is my big idea, <laughs> which I didn't end up doing. However, I did get, I got a job in healthcare marketing. So that was cool. And the rest is history. Still have family up there, still love to visit, but 
it's 75 and sunny in February today in Charleston. So you can't really complain too much about that. <laughs> oh man, it's it's about 40 and rainy here in Philly on February 24th. So I'd love oh. to switch spots. <laughs> what drew you to the Olympics? Were, were you big into sports? Oh my gosh, I love sports. So I grew up in a small town, but my parents were big believers in that you keep kids busy, especially young kids and teenagers busy and they stay out of trouble. So I have two other siblings. So we all did sports. My very first one was t-shirt softball. Wasn't that great at it, but it did that. And then I like participated in some like weekend things, but did, did like a middle school and high school soccer. I was a cheerleader all the way through and then track as well. And then, and then I did a bunch of fun, like, what is it called? Not rec sports, but like the fun sports in college that like don't really count for anything. And uh, Cortland is a big physical education school. So a lot of my friends run sports teams. So definitely went to a lot of games, a lot of that kind of thing. And then now today I have two children and like my mother, I'm a big fan and father, I'm a big fan of keeping people busy. And I think sports are so important for kids, particularly girls, boys too. I think boys are more encouraged to to do sport. I think it's super important for girls too, for like mental health, for your image. Look at be part of a team. So I have been on sports teams since they were four years old. And so I have been the mom on the sideline, cheering, screaming, excited, and then a work side of things. So Roper St. Francis Healthcare is a community healthcare system. And so a big part, we're not for profit. So a big part of that is partnerships are super important to us. And from a brand standpoint, partnering around youth sports, adult sports is a huge part of what we do. It's a big part of my sponsorship budget. And so what we do currently is we actually sponsor youth sports through our recreation programs in all three counties. We also have athletic trainers in all of the high schools here. We are the team physician for our local college of Citadel here. And so we sports are, are big. Like, so I love when I'm sitting like on the field cheering, see my big old logo on the back of like all these kids t-shirts and like you go to the grocery store and I see my brand everywhere. I'm on the sideline and I see it and it's just, it's awesome. And then I have teammates reach out and say, thank you so much for sponsoring my child's team or we give out tickets for the Citadel and they're like, I have got to go to the Citadel. Like I've never been to a Citadel football game. Thank you for sponsoring. So I just, I love a huge, huge sports fan and what, what that can do for brand, honestly. And then again, just what it does for the mental health of kids and adults. For sure. You are preaching to the choir. I, I love <laughs> it. And I'm so excited to get into the incredible work you're doing at Roper St. Francis. But first I want to set the stage for our listeners that aren't too familiar with healthcare marketing what the foundation of, of healthcare marketing is. And, and I understand that you used to teach or maybe still do teach a healthcare 101 class. Uh, I haven't taught one. I did one. I did one class for College of Charleston. It was pretty funny. There you go. So I think we're talking to the right expert that the help level set. What are the foundation sure. of healthcare marketing? Sure. So that when I taught the class, it was, <laughs> and it was one class, it was the wonderful and wacky world of healthcare marketing was my creative title. And so it that was, was actually, the actual title. That was, yeah, that's what I called it. And so it was talking to a class of seniors that, of course, were looking at career opportunities. And so fundamentally, healthcare marketing is no different than any other marketing field, right? But how you approach marketing, I think, for healthcare is different. So healthcare is super personal, right? And I feel like healthcare isn't necessarily something you think a lot about until you really need it. Part of our job, though, is to keep people healthy so you don't necessarily need us. And so we focus a lot on prevention and wellness, But as far as what someone needs to get into the healthcare marketing field, I mean, certainly like all the marketing skills, you need to be able to write. You need to be able to do strategy. You need to know the latest in digital marketing and even traditional marketing, because for us, this is an awful expression, but it's like cradle to grave. So we birth the beautiful new babies and we're often there for end of life care when it comes to hospice. So we really get to see people 
at their most joyous moments and some of their most vulnerable. And like, so our team really gets to tell those stories, which is an incredible honor really to get to be part of someone's health journey. Oh, for sure. So I'm 30, relatively healthy. What's an example of preventative care that I should be thinking about? And can you talk me through how through marketing, you're able to educate me about that preventative care and, and take advantage of Roper St. Francis resources. Absolutely. Well, I would say most most people in their 20s and 30s, their first experience with most health care is in an urgent care setting. Often, maybe we've been a weekend warrior and like done a big run or we've done something maybe to injure ourselves at home. And so you're like, oh man, I'm going to need to be seen. And so you think, okay, what's the fastest way? And so typically it's an urgent care. That's a first touch for most people. And so we really, we love to see active people and, and keep them well. But then a lot of times it's really important to get hooked into a primary care provider. A lot of, I mean, you can go to two ways. There's internal medicine or family practice factors, or a lot of women really do that care with their OBGYN. And so really our goal with getting someone hooked up with primary care is to be their health and wellness partner for life. So there's certain screenings everybody needs once a year. So, you know, like let's check your blood pressure and your cholesterol and your height and your weight and your mental health. So it's really just great to have a partner that can help you through those times that you might need more. And sometimes just once a year, tell you most insurance companies now, or most companies want you to get a wellness check every year anyway, to make sure that you're as healthy as you can be. But the way we market, we've done a variety of things. A lot of them are kind of fun and funny. Like I always like a lighter approach typically, especially for younger folks. And so a lot of times it would be like an email campaign or a direct mail um, if we see that someone isn't affiliated with primary care just yet, we'll send different things that like, we'll sometimes do things around like, did you know what, what the screening and thing can help you do? Sometimes again, it's more on the funny side, like, you know, you've hurt yourself and like, oh, I need to get care now. So yeah, we did, we approach it a couple of different ways. I'm really tailored to the audience. Typically when someone is say like over 65, they have Medicare, they get a free wellness screening every year. And most people that are employed get a free wellness screening. So we just really want people, we, we really, again, it's about health and wellness and prevention. It's like, how can we keep you healthy and well to live your best life and the life you want to live. I love it. So as a director of marketing and business development, I understand you have 10 direct reports and 98 indirect reports, which is <laughs> a massive marketing team. From a high level, how is that broken up? Sure. That's a great question. So we're structured like an internal advertising agency. I, I say that a lot. So we have a couple of folks that act as account reps and work with our key service lines like orthopedics and urgent care and primary care. And they're the team that really work through strategy. Like, so let's work through a marketing plan and a creative brief. And then we'll come back. I don't want to say come back physically. We're all remote mostly and work with our creative teams. So we've got graphic designer. Uh, we have a graphic designer on the team. We have writers that we on the team and those that we contract with. I have a leader of digital innovation. Uh, she and her team are responsible for reputation, the social media, our website, our intranet. We have a media buyer and sponsorship person on our team as well. And that's on the marketing side and the communication side of the house. We have a head of media relations. We have a head of internal communications as well. And then we have a physician sales team and they're called physician liaisons. And their job is to go out and sort of like pharmaceutical reps, work with practices and help them troubleshoot if there's any issues, tell them about the latest and greatest that we have going on in our system and just see how we can make their worlds better in working with us. And then the, the big the other team is we have a system contact center. And so a lot of times people call when they need a doctor or when something's happened. So that team is often the first voice a consumer will hear before they ever see us. And we've evolved that more into online chat that, it, that grew for us last year, like 65% instead of having to call. I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy calling. I always <laughs> would rather chat. 
or send a message or something. And so online appointment scheduling went up almost 20, 41% last wow, year. Wow. It's amazing. So people want to connect digitally. You know, I always say it too. It's like, maybe you work in a busy office and you don't want to tell somebody about your health issue by phone. You can connect in other ways. So that center and team continues to evolve. They fulfill all of our marketing campaigns. So Charleston is a very popular area to move, especially during the pandemic. We saw lots of people moving from California, the Northeast. It's a pretty affordable place to live by some standards. And so we have a very active new movers campaign. So what does that mean? That means when, when you move to the area, we welcome you to the neighborhood and you know give you a few little health and prevention tips. And then just say like, hey, if you'd like a free first aid kit, fill out this form, either mail it back or fill it out online. We'll hook them up with a doctor, that kind of thing. We also send emails telling them about great places to go for a walk, some different parks to go to, some sports events that happen in town and mm. some of the beauty of our downtown. So again, really trying to focus on that health and wellness lifestyle and keeping people healthy. So anyway, the contact center fulfills those first aid kits, any other needs from our marketing campaigns that we have. I love that. So what channels are you communicating to people that are first moving to Charleston? So they get a direct mail and then an an email. We actually did a social campaign for a while. That didn't prove quite as successful. Again, some of it is they don't necessarily know who we are just yet. We also do a magazine still. It's actually super popular, believe it or not. And we actually blew in special inserts for those that we could identify as being new to the area and get some response from that. It's interesting with that recruitment is a big issue for a lot of companies across the country. And it is for us as well. And one of the things we've added to our new mover guide is like, do you want job opportunities? And we've been amazed at how many people are like, yes, tell me all about that. Mm. So that's been great. Like another just like touch point. We're looking at ways to continue to grow that program. The COVID surges have made that hard, to be honest. Our contact center also answers for all of our employee practices that we have in the system. And so when people think they're sick, they call and they're worried and they need reassurance. So our phone volumes go up. But the next phase of that campaign is to reach out and do an outbound phone call, welcoming somebody in, seeing if there's anything else we can do for them and setting them up with an appointment with a primary care physician or specialist if they need it. So multi-touch. I love that. And I think we need to move to Charleston because I don't think I've ever gotten direct mail that has valuable resources that, that are going to help us. So uh, oh, I, come on, we'd love to have you. And in that direct mail, is there a magnet or anything that people can put in their home to keep Roper St. Francis top of mind? Well, if they, if they send it back or go online, we send them a first aid kit. Uh, we have it. a magnet oh, philosophy. I, yeah. I'll share that though. So with stainless steel refrigerators, magnets don't stick. We don't do magnets anymore because most folks don't have them. But we used to do that. That used to be a huge thing that we did. We'd attach them to postcards and and people love those. Yeah. So I could already tell that you are fun and energetic. What makes a good leader or manager of, of such a large team? I think first and foremost, recognizing the talent that you have working for you and letting them do what they do best. Like I don't like to be micromanaged and like I want to hire the people that I know can do the job. I feel like my job is to be supportive, to be their biggest fan and cheerleader to help, you know, if they need clarification and things to help help with that and like sort of be their guidance. I often feel like I'm a therapist at times, but that's okay. <laughs> You're a bit of a counselor sometimes, sometimes project manager and helping with priorities and also just getting to know somebody as a person. I mean, to me, that's what's gone so far and probably the thing I love most about being a leader. I've had a lot of people on my team for 15 years more. I mean, I know them, I know their families. Uh, several of the people on my team actually met my children when they were first born, like at the hospital. So wow. um, I feel like it's a it's the personal relationship and personal connection and knowing that you always have their back, like no matter what, you've got their back. And again, you're their biggest fan, I guess, tying, kind of tying it back to sports. It's like, and then ultimately, like, I feel like where you shine is as people move up in the organization, they're getting promotions or, or they're maybe leaving. It's always hard when somebody leaves, but 
you always support when someone gets to leave and become a marketing leader in a new space or field because I'm proud. It's like having babies. It's like this. If I help, help this happen for somebody. So that's how I would describe it. Plus, we like to have some fun happy hours and some other things here and there. Of course, we celebrate birthdays and try to make everybody feel special. Awesome. And that's such a good perspective about when people leave. That means that you provided them with the skills and resources to go be a leader somewhere else. So I right. love that perspective. When you joined Roper St. Francis... 21 years ago, I think it was. I was 10, clearly. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was going to say. I don't understand how that's possible. <laughs> what did the marketing department look like 21 years ago? So it was very traditional marketing based. So I remember our graphic designer that we worked with would drive down proofs, like old school, like printout proofs that we would take a red pen and literally red line. And so we did a lot of direct mail back then, like giant newspaper ads brochures. And and again, we do some of that today, but everything was traditional. We did some television. Social media didn't exist. Again, I'm showing how old I am. I don't know if we had a website when I started, but the team was small. It was only a couple of people. I will say we planned a lot of events because I think back at that time, marketing was like those party planners. So there was some of that. And now it's really evolved into like their strategy partner, which is exciting because again, people, you know, one of the things that we really focus on from a marketing standpoint is like, how do people want to consume information about healthcare and just really anything in life. And to us, like being that authentic brand voice is really important. Like our brand is around being local, compassionate, like we're your neighbors, family, and friends. And we've been around for 150 years mm-hmm. and we feel like we want to make sure it feels like that anytime that we do, do marketing with them. You mentioned how so much of what you do, I mean, of course, now you have a website and a lot of what you I have do, several, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is digital. What percent would you say of marketing initiatives or or marketing spend is digitally focused? So it's interesting. Digital is like way less expensive than traditional. I would say out of our budget today, it's probably about 40-ish percent of our budget is dedicated to digital. It didn't used to be that way. It used to be like, and it has just incrementally increased over the years. And we really find is that channel mix is really important where digital is great. I'll use the Olympics as an example. So, you know, a lot of people have been watching the Olympics because it's February, it's cold. And, you know, who doesn't like to watch something like that on TV? We have really been pushing our orthopedics television spot because, again, people are on the television. So at the same time, we've really separately on YouTube, these testimonial videos about folks that use our services for care and they're telling their story. So one example is a high school student got hurt at volleyball and her mom's sharing the story of like, how that happened and then the care she feels like her daughter got got through the time. Another one is a runner who's been active since she was like young and she's in her 60s now and she's still running, is still running, still running races, still active, still shag dancing. And so we've released those on YouTube as well. And it's been really fun to watch those. It's interesting. There's a football player that tells his story. And that one's been like the most popular of all so far. But again, this this is new. But a point is. When there's traditional on, it's nice to have digital and then also optimizing, you know, what you're doing in other channels. I mean, so those stories we also shared on social as well. So it's, to me, it's always a mix. We also, I mean, obviously we want to make sure SEO is where it should be. We want to make sure we're doing some paid search and display. So again, I feel like the more people that see it, the better. I know like for us, what we've watched a lot of over the years is like when we're not doing multi-channel No, nothing goes as well, right? Like even search results come down when there's not a variety of uh, messaging tactics in the market. We really just feel like the omni-channel mix is really important. Going into that omni-channel mix, I I know that Roper's St. Francis is is big in community engagement, specifically a lot of sponsorships. Can you speak to that a little bit? 
Sure. So for me, from a brand perspective, one of the most important components of our brand is that we are community facing and we're local and we're not for profit. Actually, everybody that works at Roper St. Francis on all of our annual evaluations, one of the areas that we look at is how much community service did you do? And, you know, if you do a certain amount, you get a higher score. And so Mm -hmm. that giving back is really built in to the heart of who River St. Francis is. And as we're the largest uh, private employer and we're a big company here. So you feel like we also have a responsibility to be sure that we're supporting the community at every turn. So we have a couple of processes. We have a community benefits area that really focuses very specifically on um, trying to partner with people in the community around healthcare disparities in the underserved. So an example of that looks like we just announced this week through our Ryan White program that we're partnering with the city of Charleston to also help provide housing for folks that are HIV positive. Often they haven't maybe gotten the care that they've needed and have just fallen through like some social gaps. And so we want to help boost them up at all levels of the area, not just, you know, getting their medications, but making sure they have a safe, healthy place to live. So we do that on the community investment side. On the marketing side of the house, we like to partner across the board, but I would say the youth and adult sports and outdoor recreational opportunities are really important to us and our brand. Again, we want to keep people moving. We want to keep people healthy. We want to foster that sense of community. You know, sitting on the sideline at a soccer game, it's like there's parents, there's grandparents, there's aunts and uncles, there's extended family. And it's like your neighbors are there and it just fosters that. And we purposely do those sponsorship like a local recreation level so that we are hitting all the different parts of town. So that's really important. Other things that we do space like, so moms are really important to us. So one of the things that we do is we're a sponsor of the local Charleston Moms blog. And our goal there really is to give tips and tricks to new moms and dads, new parents of like, how to take care of your baby, how to take care of yourself and that kind of thing. And there's a couple of events that we do because of that. But community partnerships are really, really important. We do a lot through our DNI lens. So I'm just trying to think of some. We have upcoming in a couple of weeks, we have the Charleston Air Show. Big military population here. And so the Blue Angels will come and fly. And we have so many teammates that are either part of a military family or have been impacted by the military. And they always want to go out on base and just thank all the people that help serve us. So that's a sponsorship coming up. Like in a few weeks, we're doing Charleston Black Expo. And so that promotes uh, Black business leaders. And, you know, we'll have a big presence there. We'll have some expert help people talk at different panels and also, you know, be a sponsor of that. We have the Charleston, the Cooper River Bridge Run. It's a huge 10K event that has been in the area forever. And lots of people come into town. We're the hydration station sponsor of that. So we've actually sent out an ask today to look for 200 volunteers to help staff those water stations. So, and again, their job is to hand out water, but also cheer everybody on. So again, being that community partner, community cheerleader, really connecting people you know, back to our brand and back to those that we serve. Wow. Well, going back to what you were saying about leadership, this is all evidence of you being an incredible leader, but it would be impossible to do all of these things in the community if, if you weren't enabling your team to be able to go Aww, out and thank do you. I love it. That's amazing. So talking about youth sports specifically and, and rec sports, and then going back to the concept of omni-channel, layering mm-hmm. on different channels. How are you able to take what you're doing in the community through youth sports sponsorship and then leverage that? I don't know if that's the right word, but use that content perhaps in in different ways and in different channels to to amplify it in the community. Sure. We've done a few things in that space. So through all of our partnerships, we get a spot or a feature in all of their e-newsletters that go out to all the members. So always, we typically promote our Get Care Now campaign, which somebody gets hurt. We've got all these ways to get in to see us. We do hands-on on-site concussion clinics. 
for the coaches. So the coaches all meet at a few times, different times of year. And we want to always have one of our help experts on hand. So they know what to look for. It's like, you know, if you see this, this, or this in a child, like this is what you need to do. There are some things you can treat as a coach, but there are some things that are going to need a more urgent level of care. And we leave our information. We're like, call us if you don't know. We'll help, you know, direct where you need to go. This is a little thing, but it has meant a lot. I understand to our coaches, like we'll provide the coaches with like a clipboard, a pen and a whistle. And then these ice towels that like it gets hot here really quickly. So these like ice towels to keep their athletes cool on the sidelines. I would say more from a content perspective, we do a lot with our local college, the Citadel. So we just did a partnership together where we sold these CARES t-shirts and the money then comes back to our foundation that people got to get a light blue t-shirt that is like our own Citadel Cares and knowing that they're going to support cancer is like really great for people because you're giving back to a cause that you're interested in doing. We've had our mascot. Yes, we have a mascot. Go to play basketball against other local mascots. So that's been a fun activation that we've done. I'm trying to think what else we do. We should always share on social media, like whether brands, like if there's like some great image that we're sharing together or just like, hey, we, we partnered on this together. Come out tonight and see the game. Always looking for social tie-ins. We've actually had like our teammates out to like the Citadel, for example, to like get to go to a game. Part of what we do a lot of times is we'll get some tickets. And so then our teammates can enjoy evening of sports or afternoon or daytime of sports. Yeah. And then with the rec stuff, it kind of continues to evolve because we continue to add more rec departments. And so our idea there is like, what is it that they need? Like what would help them? I mean, one of them actually, their STEM program is actually through rec. So it's helping the robotics club. Maybe sometimes it's helping them with equipment or sometimes it's just helping with dollars to like be able to get them where they need to go to, you know, to compete. And ultimately the more STEM people that helps us because we need all those brilliant STEM students to come and work in healthcare eventually. So again, it kind of ties back in that way as well. What's the mascot? Well, the mascot's name is CC, which stands for Circle of Care which is that people like to call it the beach ball, but that's that red and purple brand mark that is our system brand mark. So we created that a couple of years ago for a few reasons. We were trying to just reinvigorate our brand. Again, I mentioned there's lots of new people and then that happens too in an organization as we've grown, our team has grown. And it's like, how can we, A, make sure everybody knows our names. We have just opened a new hospital, the proper names of our facilities. And how can we make it fun and engaging for teammates? So hence... We birthed an idea of CC. CC was born in January of 2020. And CC went around and met teammates of what we dubbed brand circus events. And so I am always amazed and just love the fact that grown adults, fat kids come and want to hug that giant, it looks like a big ball. And so it's super fun. And, you know, again, you don't typically think of healthcare as having a mascot, but I have some fun video I could totally share with you after what we've done recently with CC. So CC definitely goes to sporting events, rounds in our hospitals for, especially during COVID. So COVID was hard on healthcare, as you might imagine. A visit from CC, we made a giant mask for CC to wear so that CC was also safe when roaming and, and rounding during COVID at our facilities. So CC makes everybody happy. <laughs> I'm happy hearing about CC. Have you ever had the, <laughs> have you had the honor of putting on the CC costume? I've put it on, but I've not actually gone out in public with it. The thing is heavy. We are, we're actually, CC is, is going through a bit of a transformation at the moment. We have a Wellness Works where it really is focused on health and wellness for our teammates. CC is going through that and coming out with a little more mobile model that's a little easier to manage, a little more spelt. So she has gone through her health and wellness routine and is looking even better. So <laughs> we rolling that out soon. I think every brand needs a mascot and or a jingle. There. Both are just so memorable and a great way to tie your brand in a fun way into the community. So I love CC. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, how 
with everything you're doing in the community and so many different initiatives, how are you measuring the impact of the different initiatives, specifically as marketing impact? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's part of what can be hard, honestly. We have just taken on a, a brand new sponsorship. And it's not you sports, but it is a concert series that we're doing on Daniel Island. A brand newly renovated stadium and went from seating 6,500 to 11,000 people. So we were actually working through that process of like, really, how do you value your brand? And so what we've really done now, impressions at this point, we don't have a great measurement system for that. I really, we, we really don't. We do ask always for people to tell us the result of what, where our sponsorship dollars went and what they did. In the rug departments, it typically means that they can add more teams. They can let more kids join. And so like, we love to hear that. They actually do scholarships for families that can't necessarily afford to pay for the, the, the youth sport thing. It's not too much. It's not typically a huge amount. But again, when, when we're doing a significant investment, it allows a lot more families that maybe couldn't have participated to be able to be part of that. So we love those stories. Sometimes we're part of an inaugural event when we opened a hospital up in a new county we were part of the first She Tries event, and that was a triathlon de- dedicated to young girls and women. And before we were a partner, the event was pretty small, and then it grew like three times the size and actually outgrew the space that it was in. So again, us helping to kind of promote that, like we love hearing that too. Like we have grown so much because of you. I just heard that from my Citadel partner. It's like I could tell every time y'all did a social media post around the Kira shirts, we get this huge bump in orders. And so some of it is like the power of our brand with theirs that just helps again. And it's more around like attendance and growth and people coming, but I would love any feedback and advice on on good ways to measure impact of community sponsorships from a marketing standpoint. I'd, I'd love to learn more about that and best practice around that. For sure. What I'm hearing is intuitively, you know, if you're supporting those communities that they're going to reciprocate and support you. Sure which is valid. And there's a lot of data to support the validity of that, that people want to support companies that support them. And then there's a bunch of brand lift studies that we could talk about offline that Leakside could help you with. Sounds good. Yeah. But this has been super interesting, Nicole. I have one last official question for you and then the lightning round. Oh, okay. The last official question is what's coming up for Roper Sam Francis? What's exciting going on? Oh my gosh. Well, we continue to grow. So we have launched the strategic plan 2030. And there's a lot that we're doing around optimizing our footprint and making sure that we really are serving our entire community and looking for some of those communities that maybe we aren't in now. I actually got to be in a meeting last week around around this mobile health ban that we're going to be taking out into some of the smaller communities that maybe don't have as much access to healthcare. We talked about bringing it to the sidelines of some of the um, support that we have as well, because maybe there's folks that haven't gotten physicals. That is one thing I didn't talk about that we do. Having trainers in all the schools, we actually do free sports physicals for anyone that needs one. Just super cool. I love doing stuff like that. <laughs> so that's fun on the community benefit side of the house. As far as other initiatives, really just growing more our digital front door and capabilities around that. I mentioned we have this great system contact center. We're going to be going live on a new EMR, a new electronic medical system. And so that's super exciting because right now our inpatient and outpatient are on different sides. So as a patient, if I'm a patient, to go to two different places. So it's going to make it easier for the community. And again, there's a certain stickiness to that as far as being able to connect with patients the way they want to be connected with. You can say your preference. Do I want to be texted, emailed, called? Like, how do I want to do that? So we're really excited that rollout's in August. So that's a big thing on our plates. Yeah. And then just always looking at ways that we can do things better. Content actually is a big thing that we're working through now, particularly with our orthopedic service line. 
I don't know if I mentioned, but I'm a runner. I love to run and I compete in a lot of events and not because I want to be first, but just because I would like to do it. And I'm always hurting myself somehow because, you know, that's what happens when you get in your forties and I'll Google things like, oh, why does my knee hurt? When do I need to see a doctor for my knee? And so we're working through more content guides around that. Charleston's a very active community. And so running tennis and golf are really big here. And so we're working through how we, we could do that in a way that's helpful for the community, but also helps us from like an SEO perspective. And again, is community what they need? Like, hey, I would love to know, like, when do I actually need to go see somebody? So those are the kind of some fun things that we're working on, like right now. And then of course, we're working through some new brand projects, We've got a really fun campaign coming out around our urgent cares. So I'll tell you about that. So as you know, many of us, especially that don't really feel like we need to go for care very often, try to treat things at home. And so we have this very fun video series. We went and interviewed a bunch of people in the park. It was a, during a break in COVID. And we're like, so how do you treat a jellyfish thing? And so you get every gamut of answers from pottying on it to every condiment in your refrigerator is what you put on it. And then our experts come back and say, well, if you get a jellyfish thing, this is really what you should do. So we did that for a bunch of different topics. And we think it's going to be a really fun, engaging thing. We're going to be launching that on social media really soon. We had to wait because again, we were in a COVID surge. So we had to wait for our volumes to come down. But like, I think that's fun. And this, this campaign is entirely social. And our goal is for people to share their home remedies. And then of course, give advice as to when they actually need to see a professional. So you would ask me earlier, like, you know, how do you get people in primary care? And again, to me, it's like, again, being real and like when they need us, right? Like when they need us and when they realize like, oh, I really should probably like see like a real person for this versus, you know, being Dr. Google and trying to figure out what I should do at home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you brought up COVID and I'm so curious being in a, a market where it's somewhat political and controversial about whether people should wear masks and, and yes. get vaccinated. How are you able to communicate to people in the community how to stay safe without, without frustrating. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so we've always based it on science. And actually what, what we did is we partnered with all the local health systems in town and we're like, let's do this together. We got, we partnered with our media partners as well and who gave us all these PSAs. And so first it was around the importance of masking and staying six feet apart and keeping each other safe. So that was like, I guess, wave one. Wave two was around vaccine. It's like, you know, get vaccinated so you can keep those around you safe. And we were all unified on that message. I mean, talk about a true partnership. Like that really was maybe one of my like really proud moments of COVID. The other thing is educating of like what the impact of this has. So we did a series. This was also on social media. We talked, it was like inside the front lines of COVID. And one of them, the one that touched me the most, I mean, they're all amazing. But we had our infectious disease doctor that saw tons of patients during COVID. I mean, and he likened it to like the Vietnam War and like the killing fields. He was mm -hmm. in the killing fields. Like this is during the Delta surge. I mean, he gets very emotional during this because he's like, they're dying and it could have been prevented. And so that one, it was the one that got the most reaction. We got letters to the editor around that in our local paper. The social love for this doctor and the thanks and gratitude to him was absolutely incredible. We had another leader actually who runs one of our ER, our busier ERs, talk about the fact that she had a six-month-old at home and her six-month-old couldn't get vaccinated. Mm. And so help me by getting vaccinated because this is the only way I can protect my baby. So we all, again, it, it's authentic. We ask people for their stories and what they would tell the community if they could tell them anything. And again, when it's a real person that might be your neighbor or family or friend telling you that, like it kind of takes the politics out. I did have, we did have one of our people saying there's no place for politics in here. I don't have a politician next to me putting them on the bench, right? Like I'm telling you what I'm seeing. So again, going back to authenticity, 
one of the other things we did a lot of too during COVID is just trying to educate like about the numbers. And it's like, listen, you don't have to listen to us, but like, here are some facts. Talk to a healthcare professional, like talk to those that you trust in the community. Here's the CDC's website so that people can do their own research because we did want to empower people to do that. But in the end, like talk to your healthcare provider, because if you remember a little bit during COVID at the beginning, there was a lot of question of like, if you're pregnant, should you get a COVID vaccine? And like, what could that do to your unborn baby? What could that do to your future fertility? So we did a series of town hall meetings and we always had an OBGYN doctor be a part of that, both for our internal teams, because we have a lot of women are a huge part of the workforce in healthcare. It's like 75%. And again, a lot of women either maybe want to have a baby eventually, or could be pregnant now or whatever the case might be. So we did a lot of education around that. She would bring in the recommendations from her professional organization, ACOG. And again, the thing with COVID is it's always changing. So, you know, your messaging just needs to be updated. But again, our goal was to be the trusted voice of our community during COVID. It's like, please come to us with questions. We want to answer your questions. We want to talk with you about your concerns. I love it. So if if you're listening and you don't trust your local politicians, that's okay. But please trust science and trust (laughs) the healthcare professionals that are seeing what's happening at the hospital and and the impact COVID is making. Nicole, are you ready for the lightning round? It's four questions. I'm excited. I don't know what that is. All right, let's go. We have two minutes. So first thing that comes to mind and so first question, what is your favorite youth sports memory? This is embarrassing, but I'll tell you, this is not my favorite, but it's my most mortifying. I was playing soccer, racing down the field, wide open field, had the ball in front of me. And I like went over the, like just there was a white line and I was getting ready to kick it. I tripped and like totally flaked. So that was oh, like my no. most embarrassing moment, but I will never forget it. I was like, oh my God. So they're like, what did you go <laughs> over the soccer line? I was teased about that for years, but anyway, so probably That's that cool. one. Amazing. What is a brand? whose marketing you admire most? Oh, probably Nike would be a huge one. Dove is the other one. I love how they showcase diversity and everyone being beautiful. So I would say those are probably my two top. We actually had uh, Josh Spiegelman from the agency of Dove come on the show a couple of weeks ago and, and oh, talk cool. about one of their big Dove campaigns. So. Oh my gosh, I am such a fan. I've like studied their stuff. Honestly, before we just did our brand refresh, they were the brand that we studied the most. We've been amazed by what they've done. They're incredible. Yeah, they are. When you were in middle school, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. I don't even know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I don't, I don't know that I still know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> and then last question, what is your go-to cause to support? Honestly, it's typically like any kind of a pet rescue organization. We've been big fans. We fostered, I think, nine dogs. And I have a coworker that used to foster the little baby kittens that we used to get to feed bottles to. That's always a close to my heart. heart. For shelter pets and like finding a place to adopt them. One of the fun events that we're doing is we actually are partnering with the local animal society and we have an event called Paws in the Park. Mm. And we're the couch to 5K sponsor of that. So helping people and their pets work together to be able to walk or run a 5K. So that one's coming up in a couple of weeks. That's just been great. Like we've done these tips around hydration and stretching and the importance of all the things you do if you're going to start an exercise program for both yourself. And then we have a celebrity trainer that works with dogs and does dog makeovers. And He's also a piece of that too. So that's been a really fun sponsorship. That's amazing. Nicole, it is incredible what you have been working on and what you've achieved. I love your energy and I'm so excited to see what you achieve in the future. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. It's been so great meeting you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wingrin Podcast. On today's episode with Nicole Stevens, we discussed the foundation of healthcare marketing, how to layer different marketing channels on top of one another, and the importance of being involved and engaging with the community. I'm your host, Evan Brandoff. 
See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating at leagueside.com slash podcast. For more educational and inspiring content, you can follow Leagueside on LinkedIn and Instagram at leagueside underscore. See you next time.